are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, but a special episode of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. It's actually a crossover with Locked On Pistons, and my name is Sean Coleman, and I am actually here with Locked On Pistons host, Kuka Hill. Kuka, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me on. I, I love doing crossovers. I did a crossover my first week with Locked On Mavs, and it was pretty fun, so definitely I enjoy doing these little crossovers. Oh, yeah, it is a lot of fun. I'm a lot, lot more kind of a person than Nick, and you can tell him I said that. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, uh, but no, it, uh, it, it's fun. Uh, uh, Koo is someone that uh, I have actually had the uh, pleasure of getting to know. Uh, we've gotten to know each other through the title sponsor of this show. That's the Locker Room app, changing the way we talk about sports. Uh, both me and Koo, I think, can certainly uh, tell you uh, how awesome Locker Room is because it lets us get to meet other content creators. But go to your uh, Android or iOS Apple Store, download the app, create the free profile, get it right along the action. Me and Koo both host shows on the Locker Room app each week. But Koo, it's been a pleasure to get to know you over uh, the past few months, and I'm uh, looking forward to getting to talk some Pistons and Grizzlies. Uh, it was definitely a fun year on the Pistons end, uh, despite what the record may indicate. Yeah, it was it was probably more fun if you talk to more Pistons fans outside of like just people who try to analyze the game, whatever. If you just talk to a lot of Pistons fans, I, I'm sure a lot of them would tell you that they had a lot more fun this year watching the team than they did like the previous years, even though the previous year's teams won a little bit more, more because like they committed to a rebuild, they committed to a vision, they got some more young pieces in. So a lot of fans enjoyed that little refreshing new way of going about it than the oh, let's compete for the 7th, 8th seed, which was definitely getting a little uh, out of date. Yeah, for the Grizzlies, a team that, you know, the thing about it is is that the Pistons and the Grizzlies, they're similar in a few ways, and we'll get into that in just a second. But, you know, the Grizzlies are probably a step ahead on that rebuilding curve. Me and others, we're looking at this as being kind of a win-win season. If we don't make the playoffs, great, better draft pick. We do make the playoffs, great, better experience. But the absolute ride after the regular season was was phenomenal. And, and so that just goes to show you that when you're in a position in maybe not one of the marquee markets in the NBA, but one of the markets, though, that certainly the NBA is better when that market is thriving. I do think that, you know, it's good to just have a positive season. And for the Grizzlies, obviously, making the playoffs, getting that experience for their young core, it was great. But one of the big reasons why they were able to get that experience and be able to make the playoffs was because of how well their new regime, led by Zach Kleiman and Taylor Jenkins, are at drafting and developing. And Koo, you have to be excited with the first year under Troy Weaver and with Dwayne Casey. Y'all had a lot of rookie contributions, but several rookies who stepped up and probably exceeded expectations this season. Yeah, and not even just rookies. So obviously we're going to talk about the four main rookies with Sadiq Bay, you got Keelan Hayes, who was who missed a lot of the year with that hip injury, but even came back 
towards the end of the year, last third or so, and showed some signs and showed some progression from where he was even at at the very beginning of the year before he got hurt, which is pretty cool. But then, like I said, you got Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, who could be I – don't, I don't think they've done all-rookie first teams yet, but I think he could probably make it to the all-rookie first team. And then you also got Saban Lee, who was picked up in the second round, who actually contributed some – and so at one point in the season, he was on the NBA.com's rookie ladder. He was like fourth because when he first cracked the rotation, he was just going crazy. So, I mean, those were four rookies right there Tory Weaver hit on uh, in his first draft. And then not even just rookies either. You got a bunch of young guys that he picked up for cheap that turned out to be pretty good contributors and big pieces of the future. First, obviously, Hamadou Diallo seems to be a big part of this team's future going forward. Who knows where he ends up? Uh, with his ceiling, I think his ceiling is out of this world. I, I really like Diallo. Then you got Josh Jackson, who we got for cheap. Uh, I know you guys in Memphis will know about, a lot about Josh. Uh, it seems like he used Memphis as like a springboard into another opportunity in the NBA, and he got the opportunity in Detroit. And I know some of the numbers may not make it look like it, but definitely if you talk to some Detroit people, he had a good season. It was inconsistent. He had a lot of injuries that that caused some bad runs. But he had some really high highs and had a decent season for the Pistons. And another one with Frank Jackson, who we got on a two-way contract. wasn't in the rotation at all. And now it looks like he's going to be a core part of this future as well with how he played towards the end of the season. Averaging, I think, like 14 points over the last month, shooting 47% from the field, like 43% from deep. So he was playing out of his mind. So it's not even just rookies. I think the first year he hit, he hit on all four of his rookies so far, it looks like. And then also he got like three or four guys – through like tiny trades, like with Diallo and Sfi, uh, and then also off the waivers and in free agency the year before for cheap contracts. So definitely a good season, good first season for Troy Weaver as the Pistons general manager. And here's the thing, you know, the, 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 you bring up a great point. You mentioned like seven or eight different players who stepped up and had better than expected seasons. And that's defined the Grizzlies over the past two years is creating depth. Who we see in the playoffs right now, Phoenix, we see Utah, we see Atlanta. We see these teams that are doing better than expected this year. Yes, obviously they have the star talents, both Memphis and Detroit are still looking to acquire but they all had depth as well, and it makes a key difference. The Grizzlies were able to rely on that to get through a very tough season. One thing between the Grizzlies, though, and Detroit, and this is not meant in any way, shape, or form to come across surrogate. It's just a recognition of where both uh, franchises are. Memphis has their star. They have their franchise face in John Morant. Hopefully, we have his number two in Jared Jackson Jr., with Detroit, obviously, they're hoping this year, I know it hopefully will be because they've just not had a lot of luck in the draft, but that has to be a big hope is that through this draft, Detroit lands the pick that will land them a guy who probably will become the face of the franchise moving forward. Yeah, and before I even talk about that, let me just say, John Morant is freaking crazy. So I like, I'm like i a big Steph Curry fan, and when they played in the play, and obviously I wanted Steph to, to move on. I did not want him to miss the playoffs. And Steph had an absurd season. He was even being absurd in that game. But John Morant was just he, – he was answering – like there's not many people that can just answer Steph back and forth, like punch him back, forth, back, forth. And Ja was just going right back and forth at him, just answering everything Steph did with his own. And especially with those last few closing buckets to basically seal the deal, it was definitely a, a joy to watch. And especially in the playoffs, even them stealing that first game, that was pretty cool to see for Memphis and John Morant. So, yeah, he's, he's dope. Uh, but yeah, Detroit definitely is 
looking for their superstar. Uh, I, I know they got Jeremy Grant. I don't think they look at him as their main guy. Like as of right now, he is their main guy, but I don't think they're looking at him to be that main guy for the entire building of this team. More maybe to be like their second guy, or hopefully, good thing would be if he's a third guy. That means you're really good at drafting. But yeah, the Pistons have the second best odds right now in the draft lottery. So hopefully they don't fall. They've never moved up in their franchise's history of being in the lottery. Not once have they moved up and they've fallen a bunch of times too. So they definitely haven't had very much luck, not only in drafting players, but in the lottery as well. So hopefully in this draft, which I know a lot of people have been saying it's a top five player draft. I've had some people tell me it's a top three player draft. Uh, so hopefully the Pistons don't fall outside the top three. Hopefully they move up to one and able to get Cade Cunningham, who will 100% be their superstar in face of the franchise if they did get him. But yeah, I mean, nine days away. Yeah, and that's the thing about it is that nine days from now, like June 22nd, I- I've talked with others before, uh, some great folks that I've gotten to know. I-, I badly want the Pistons to get a high pick just because of how awesome their fan base is. Kubi and obviously one of the best examples of that. But n- hey, that June 22nd date is going to be a big milestone date, I think, for several franchises. So it's going to be interesting to see. But the reason that we decided to get to talk is because one thing that's out there is that for different reasons, Jeremy Grant could be a very talked about subject both in Memphis and Detroit this summer. Coming up, I'm going to talk a bit more with Koo about what sense it makes for the Grizzlies to pursue Jeremy Grant in a trade. But before we get to that, I want to say this. We know Zach Kleiman is doing well in his role as general manager. Troy Weaver is doing the same in Detroit as general manager. But if you were the hiring manager for your company, there's another way you can do great, just like Troy Weaver and Zach Kleiman. Koo, I think you have an idea of how a hiring manager could do great for their company. Yeah, they could go ahead and download Indeed. And it makes hiring your partner, uh, helps make hiring life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three post and screen, and interview all in Indeed. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed's Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, reduces hiring time by 27%. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Again, go to Indeed.com slash locked for a $75 credit Valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. And so the other thing that I'll say is this, coup is that, you know, we talk about Indeed, so it's great to have a high, to be the hiring manager there. But the other thing is, is that, you know, it's the summer. You know, want the opportunity to be able to get a bit healthier when it comes to being outside and enjoying the outdoors, and that starts with a healthy snack. And I can't think of a better option than Built Bar for several reasons, right? Absolutely. My my uh, fans of the podcast over at Lockdown Pistons know all too well about the Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet Earth, with is coming with a variety of new flavors, including six new flavors and caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All flavors are covered in incredible tasting chocolate and are soft and easy on the teeth to chew. These bars are low in calorie and sugar, but high in protein and fiber. A flavor I suggest is the peanut butter flavor. Packed with 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. I actually had one of you guys tweet me today that you guys got the double chocolate flavor. Now, that double chocolate is a little bit too much chocolate for me, but hey, Bilt Bar is definitely a go either way you go about it. So, 
make sure you guys all go try the Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy in games a little bit more this season. Now, I'll say this real quickly, and Koo, you could back me up on this. I don't know if ha- enjoying a Bilt Bar and a Michelob Ultra at the same time during an NBA game is something you want to do. But, hey, if you want to live life on the edge, that may be a worthwhile combination, don't you think? I mean, if you do do that, if one of you guys actually do do that and have both of them at the same time, definitely tweet me because I don't think I would suggest that. But if you do it, definitely let me know how that went. <laughs> all, joking, all joking aside, have a built bar to start your day off and have yourself a nice clack of Mickable Ultra during the game. It'll make your day better either way. Back here with Koo Cahill of Locked On Pistons. My name is Sean Coleman. And Koo, forgive me, in the first segment, want to make sure folks, in Memphis, obviously we had we're lucky to have Omari Sankofa who now covers the Pistons. He was here for a year himself. But where can folks find your work? Obviously, with all that you do, I know that you are very good as a writer and as a podcaster yourself. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Kukahill MBA. You can also find me on YouTube at Ku's Ballroom. That's actually where I started everything. I started out as a YouTuber like four years ago, five years ago. So find me on there, Ku's Ballroom. And then also, I still write for Detroit Bad Boys. You can find me over there as well. And speaking of Omari, uh, he's from—I believe he's a Detroit kid. And I had him on he the is. podcast. So I, I had him on the podcast like two weeks ago. Definitely a great guy. I've, I've gotten to know him, and he's—I <laughs> definitely relate with him a lot because he's around my age, and we both are fascinated with hip hop and all that stuff. So we had him on there. I had a lot of fun. So all you Memphis guys, if you guys want to hear some. Uh, still want to hear from Amari, definitely go check out the podcast because I, I did an interview with him like last week. I've had the pleasure of speaking with him probably three or four times via the podcast. An absolutely outstanding guy. For all he knows about basketball, he knows just as much about Detroit, which is close to his heart, as it is, I'm sure, all Pistons fans, obviously. But but the uh, superheroes, me and him connect on that end. We talk about that a lot. And obviously, I know that he loves music as well. And for Pistons fans, my name's Sean Coleman. Like Koo, I write for the Grizzly Bear Blues, which is the blog site that covers the Grizzlies. I've been doing that for three years. been hosting the Locked on Grizzlies podcast for 18 months. Just want to make sure folks in Memphis and Detroit know who to listen to when it comes to all their Grizzlies and Pistons information. Your Grizzlies and Pistons every day. Let's get right into it. The reason why we're here to talk is Jeremy Grant. And now we talk about that the Pistons' ability to find the face of the franchise in this draft is important. But it has to be very encouraging that this season, again, though the record didn't show it, you did show the ability to take a talent like Jeremy Grant, who many were thinking y'all may have you know, overpaid this offseason, but he came in and he absolutely shined like a star. That has to be really encouraging that even when it comes to getting NBA talents, the combination of Weaver and Casey can make the most and exceed expectations with who they bring in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, Jeremy Grant definitely got a lot of flack for coming to Detroit. Not even just the Pistons got flack for it, but Jeremy Grant himself definitely got flack for it because a lot of people were like, oh, why would you leave a Denver team that's on like a contender? You're going to a bad team. You just want to get shots up. Uh, this is going to go bad for him. He's never been. He's never shown the ability to try to do any of that. 
And then we would go with Detroit. They're rebuilding. They're paying, they're paying money to a guy who just has never shown it again. And you really shouldn't be paying that much money to any guy, any kind of guy. And I think they both proved everyone wrong. I think Troy Reaver was criticized with a lot of his moves in the offseason. And basically every move turned out to be like right and a good move. The only move that I have been critical of and I still remain critical of is the Bruce Brown trade. I'll never support that one. Uh, Bruce was my guy. I was extremely high on Bruce. And the trade that he made for him is the one move I'll criticize on. But everything else that he was criticized on, basically, he he looks completely right on. And that's Jeremy Grant, too. So, like, one of the main things I always like putting out, pointing out when it comes to Jeremy Grant's season this year is he did kind of wind down a little bit at the end, but that had to do more with the Pistons getting rid of Blake and Derrick Rose. And now he was the focal point on a team that's just, to be honest, a bad team. And the whole defense was able to just throw everything at him. But even with that, the main thing I want to point out from Jeremy Grant's season, which really shows something for his future and shows that he's a legit player. And I always bring it up. His isolation numbers this year for the Pistons. So, like like I said, previous years, he never really did this and was never really that good at it. And then this year, he finished in the 71st percentile, scoring .975 points per possession uh, for the Pistons this year in isolation, which Synergy ranks as very good. So he was... He was good in all types of scenarios. He was good spot up. He was good in transition, obviously. He was really good on defense. But the fact that he was able to, like a weakness that they said he wasn't able to do, he didn't couldn't really create with the ball in his hands. They have a good handle, whatever, and completely shatter like every expectation had for him in that uh, in that way and actually become like a legit isolation player uh, definitely makes me believe that he's going to be a really good player for the Pistons moving forward. And I get why there's so many teams that now want him after criticizing the Pistons in the offseason for how much they paid him. Now it's looking like a little bit of a bargain contract, which I think Troy Weaver loves to hear. Of course. And, and you know, it, it's amazing to me. And what we're going to do is we're going to do the contract itself and why it's a bargain here. And then in the third segment, we'll talk a bit about, you know, if there was an avenue to go, what it may take to land Jeremy Grant for the Grizzlies. But that's the reason why two years $40 million left on a two-way player, a guy who his offense this year shined, but coming into this season, and he didn't really lack off of it, his defense was what was his calling card. And if he goes to a team, no offense, Coot, that may be closer to you know get wanting to get in the playoffs consistently and wanting to become a sustainable winner, he may not have to be the focal point of the offense and can be the two-way player that he showed that he was consistently in Detroit. But we're looking the one addition we're looking for in Memphis Coup is we're looking for a two-way player who ideally could probably play the the three and the four at times, but generally a wing. But a guy that not only can play defense well, but is self-sufficient in finding his own shot. Not just catching shooting, good accuracy from distance, but also the ability to pick up off the dribble and make it create his own shot. That seems to me like it sounds like Jeremy Grant, especially a great combination at the size that he is. But when it comes to creating his own shot along with his isolation play, that stood out this season as well, I would imagine. Yeah, it definitely showed up and definitely uh, showed out for the Pistons this year. I mean, I think every Pistons fan is very happy with Jeremy Grant. Um, and, I, and I get why teams like, especially like you said, the Grizzlies who would be interested in something like that and need something like that on their team. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about this already, but there is a reason why us in Detroit or everyone that's like aware what Jeremy Grant season in Detroit, uh, why we know that he's not going anywhere and some, some from some of the words that he said himself. I don't know if you want me to get into that already or if you want to wait till later. Do you want me to say that now? 
Go ahead. Go, go ahead. So, so the reason why, like, he's very popular right now in trade talks, and the reason why, if you see Pistons fans getting annoyed with it, or if you see Pistons fans like, like, making fun of it or something, one, it makes complete sense for te- fans of other teams and everyone else to, like want him on their team because he's like a perfect player, perfect complimentary, complimentary player to have on your team, especially with his improvements offensively. But when he signed with Detroit, I believe it was like at the very beginning of the season, James Edwards of the Athletic put out an article talking about why Jeremy Grant signed here. It was an interview with him. And Jeremy cited things outside of basketball. He talked about how Detroit was a black city that had a black GM and a black head coach. And he talked about how I think his exact words was, I'm more than just a basketball player. I'm a back, I'm a black man first. And there's a lot of things that go on. He talked about the culture and how he wants to be here and set the set the tone for this and he can relate to this culture, etc. So not only does he have a really good relationship with Troy Reaver, who's known him since he was a teenager and as kind of like, I think they said like a, like a fatherly figure. I don't want to be incorrect with that, but I believe I read that as well since he was a teenager. And then also the fact that he relates to the city and, and, and the cultural stuff with that, it just really seems unlikely. Like I would put it at less than 5% chance that the Pistons even attempt to listen to any trade talks with him this summer for anything. Cause the Troy Reaver really likes him. He's talked uh, at, at nauseum about him, and obviously, like I said, with everything Jeremy Grant said with why he signed in Detroit, unless a team just blows Detroit away with like an offer that you just simply can't refuse, I, it just is really hard to imagine one Troy Reaver trying to go back on his like whole I'm a player's GM kind of thing with Jeremy Grant and also Jeremy Grant not wanting to be here. And that's what it comes down to when you're a team like Detroit, right? Like the, it, it, it's it's a bit of an internal, not necessarily dilemma, but there's ways that you can go. You've got maintaining the relationship that you brought Jeremy Grant in, which, as you just mentioned, what it means to the city, why he signed with the organization, why he blossomed in Detroit. You have that positive aspect of things, something to build on, someone that you can for right now look and say, this guy is our main player. But on the other end with where they are in the rebuilding phase, it also makes sense from a you know pure roster building standpoint to take this player who's shown he can be on a star level and at a bargain contract to trade him. What is more important in today's NBA when it comes to rebuilding? Coming up, I'm going to get into that with Koo, but also just for the sake of conversation, if they needed to be blown away with an offer, what that would look like from Memphis. Now, Koo, before we get into that, you put some pretty specific odds on it, just theoretically, when it came to trading Jeremy Grant. I completely get where you're coming from when it comes to that. But speaking of odds, and speaking of betting and wagering on sports, I know that there's one place that has sportsman covers all the time, especially during the NBA and NHL playoffs right now. Absolutely, and that's BetOnline AG. So betting is not legal in Michigan. I'm not sure over in Tennessee. I actually lived in Tennessee. Sean, I don't know if you know this. I lived in Tennessee for about three or four years of my childhood. So, yeah, I'm actually related awesome. with some of the stuff that goes on there. But yeah, betting is not legal in Michigan, and if you're anything like me, you want to take advantage of that instantly. However, there was one problem I constantly ran into. There's just so many different apps to bet through. Which betting app is the best to use? Which one is the best for people like me and Sean? That's when I found Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL season might be over, but the NBA, NHL, and MLB are still in full swing. If you want to take your adventures beyond sports, however, BetOnline has you covered there too. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, things I didn't even know you could bet on. BetOnline has real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. 
Head over to BetOnline now to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, does a college football playoff expansion hurt Notre Dame? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. A great host, Peter Bukowski, covers the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So back with Koo Cahill of Locked On Pistons. My name is Sean Coleman of Locked On Grizzlies. Before we get back into the Jeremy Grant discussions, Koo, you said that you lived in Tennessee. Where were your, uh, where, where did you live here in, in Tennessee? So I moved down to like, I think it was like the border of Tennessee and Alabama when I was seven ah. years old. And it was, I don't know what the city was called, but it was not a good experience for me, especially in that, in, in that border <laughs> between Alabama. It was definitely a very, it was a very bad experience. I hated that place. Then we moved up towards uh, Hendersonville yep. in Tennessee. I don't know if you know where Hendersonville is at. Yeah. I moved yep. towards North there. North of Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So then we moved there. Then I moved down to Spring Hill, which I think is more towards the south again of Tennessee. And then yep. I lived in, I believe it was called uh, Mount Pleasant, I think it was called. Is it Mount Pleasant or Mount something? Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. So, so I lived there. Be at Mount Pleasant. You, yeah. 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 So I lived there for a minute. And then I, and then after that one, I moved back up to Hendersonville for a little bit again. Cause that was Hendersonville probably was the best experience while I was there. And then when I was, I believe like 10 or 11, I moved back down to Michigan. I've been back since. Gotcha. I did not know that. That That's awesome. That's why it's awesome to have these conversations with fellow Locked On hosts. Now, I myself, I'm a Tennessee boy. I was born and raised in Northwest Tennessee, lived in Chattanooga, have been in the Memphis area for a little over a decade. So that's really awesome. So you get a bit of Tennessee experience. I, I, I'm I'm not too happy that your experience wasn't that great, but that is pretty cool that you that you know the experience of Tennessee and Memphis. But that's what we're talking about right now, though, is experiences. So, Koo, getting back to the conversation about Jeremy Grant, you're a rebuilding franchise. You have a great asset that could bring you back quite a bit future value, which will probably mean more as you're – Pistons get closer and closer to wanting to be a sustainable winner maybe one or two years from now. But as you mentioned in the last segment, there's the perception narrative aspect of things that matters. There's a lot of good connection that's there. Why Jeremy Grant, he wanted to sign with the um, organization that was led by great African-American leadership. He came and he blossomed. There's two different ways that you can look at it. Which one matters more when it comes to Jeremy Grant? The organization sticking with the player that has blossomed there or them sticking with, you know, the theoretical logic of wanting to take this asset and cash him in for future assets? Well, first off, before I even, before I answer that, let me say, I definitely, Tennessee, I had some good experiences there. I, I honestly, can't, Tennessee used to be like, I used to consider it like my, my second home. And I still kind of root for the Tennessee Titans, the Nashville Predators, Memphis Grizzlies, because I grew up like kind of watching them a little bit as my second team with the Pistons. I didn't have like, uh, possible ways to watch Detroit teams when I was in Tennessee. But definitely, I've made two lifelong friends there in Tennessee. So definitely Tennessee has, I, I enjoyed it there in some areas. It's that stop, Being on that border of Tennessee and Alabama definitely was not cool. But outside of, outside of that, with Jeremy Grant, um, it, this is the thing. I think people, I think something that Detroit, uh, Troy Reaver, and I think Detroit fans are challenging is kind of the thing you said, the logical way to go about a rebuild there. 
or what should I say, the right way that people say you should go about a rebuild. I think that's something that Troy Weaver is challenging, that there's no such thing as a right way to go about a rebuild. So I understand for – honestly, when they signed him, it didn't make a ton of sense to – like a ton of sense for me from a rebuild standpoint. Uh, I understood getting a player and wanting to see if he could blossom or whatever. But I think what Troy Weaver is showing with Jeremy Grant is that Jeremy's not that old. I believe he's 26, 27 right now. Uh, and if you get a player of Jeremy Grant's stature and he shows – sorry, I just hit my mic, my fault. Uh, if if Jeremy is able to improve and continue to improve on his season, then you're already – like the hardest part I think you would agree about a rebuild is getting that one, two, three guy, like getting that top-level guy on your team. That That's the toughest part. Absolutely. Like, like you, absolutely. you can see – Absolutely. So then you can see on the in the playoffs, like I think this is a perfect example too. Like in the playoffs, how many former Pistons are you seeing all over the place? Like our entire squad from 2014 to 2018 is on just about every contender you can see. But that's because the Pistons loaded themselves up with fourth, fifth, sixth guys. They never were able to get that top one, two, three guy. But like I said, Clippers, you see them all over the place for the Clippers. You see them over in Philly with Tobias. You see Boban over in Dallas. You see Andre and KCP over with the Lakers. Like, you see them all over the place. The Pistons just were never able to nail that top three guy. And if you're able to nail that top three guy, especially for a bargain contract with Jeremy Grant, if you believe he's a top three guy, and then also in the same year, which I think is is something to really point out with this as well, is that they didn't get him and then win enough to, to where they're going to get, like, the seventh, eighth pick. They got him. Jeremy Grant was able to improve himself, develop, and show that he can be one of those guys while also managing I, – I don't. he doesn't like to call – Troy River doesn't like to call it a tank. He likes to call it a restoration, a restore. But it, it was a tank, and they were able to do both things at once. They were able to improve Jeremy Grant, develop him, and show that he could be one of those guys while also tanking enough to get a top two pick, which they have the second lottery odds now. And if you're doing that – you combine those two things, then you also bring in the fact that you hit on every all four of your draft picks with Killian Hayes, who people project to or people in the draft and Piston fans think that he could be a legit, really good, like really upper echelon player once he gets on his feet under him. Sadiq Bey, who looks like he's going to be a legit player as well. Isaiah Stewart, another legit player. And Saban Lee, who looks like he could be a rotational player. Then you can add on these players I mentioned earlier and Frank Jackson, Josh Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, all these players. So I think that for like the what should I say the 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 older way of thinking about it, or just a normal way of thinking about it, actually how every other team in the NBA basically looks at rebuilds. I think Troy Reaver is challenging that and is going about it his own way. And I think at, so far he's showing that that this it's working for him. So I get why people would say you know Jeremy Grant is on a good contract. You can trade him. I'm not saying they will never trade him. I think if they do trade him, it will be around his last year on the team. Um, but I have said that I think it's more likely that he gets a that he gets a contract extension actually before he gets traded. That's my I think it's more likely he gets that before they trade him. However, I I do get it that if when you have a player like this, you may want to trade him for assets. The thing is, I think, and I've also mentioned this in the podcast with the Pistons, is that um, Troy River seems to be stacking his treasure chest of assets as well. So if he gets let's say like a top two pick, top three pick this year, he got Killian and Sadiq. He also got a bunch of other assets and Isaiah Stewart, uh, like all the people I named. So what happens if they get Kate Cunningham? Now they got Jeremy Grant as well with Killian Hayes. Then you got all these other assets that you can then trade for another legit player. And all of a sudden, the rebuild that people think lasts three to five years is now only lasting two years. Like you see what I'm saying? So I think I think there's a lot of different ways to look at it. 
Uh, that that's a very very good point because the Memphis Grizzlies are living proof of that. Two years ago, when we looked, and and that's the word to describe it, luck was on the Grizzlies' side when they jumped up. I think from the ninth best odds to get John Morant in the 2019 draft. Now with the second best odds, it's still luck involved, right? But you hit the nail on the head. This perception switches. It t- takes a total 180. You go from hey, it makes sense to trade Troy we or uh, Jeremy Grant. To, hey, a year from now, hey, it makes sense to trade these assets to put with Grant and your top draft pick to maybe make a run in the East. So I really do think that that's a very, very good point. But you still said that, and I'm not putting your you know, words out here like saying, hey, Koo said this. I'm just saying theoretically, being blown away to make something make sense. I do think that even if it's not this summer, maybe it's next summer, the Grizzlies and Pistons do match up well, though, in a trade. Because you had mentioned on Twitter, if I'm correct, the two things that really stood out for you as need areas were perimeter scoring as well as basically a rangy rim runner who can help out pick and roll defense, things such as that. A popular name when I've talked with Pistons fans that makes sense to start a trade package with is Brandon Clark. Now, I know that two firsts and Brandon Clark are ideal from a Pistons perspective. For me, Grayson Allen, um, Brandon Clark, and some type of attractive first probably makes more sense from a Grizzlies perspective. I get they may not be it. But at the very least, it seems like that Brandon Clark in a first is something that makes sense as a starting point and then working it from there. But in general, that's kind of what you would be looking for in a trade package if you were the Pistons for Grant, right? Yeah, I mean, Brandon Clark, this is the thing. So, like, I'm, I really like Brandon Clark. I, I didn't, I'm not like a big draft guy, but I had a lot of draft guys on my podcast uh, or my YouTube as well talking to me about like when his draft came out, uh, saying that this guy's legit. He's going to fall because he's older, but he's legit. And I ended up liking him from what I was hearing about him. The Pistons ended up drafting Seku, which is who I, I also really love Seku, but I, I really like Brandon Clark. The thing is, is that I think, I think you're right that it would probably start around there, but I, I feel like another, how should I say this? So, Brandon Clark, it, it looks like from an outside perspective, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and actually I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, but from the outside perspective, a lot of us Piston guys have been talking within ourselves in our community. It looks like Brandon Clark has somewhat fallen out of favor in Memphis. Uh, it doesn't, like, from an outside perspective, not that they like just hate him or anything, but it doesn't look like he's as high on their favor list as he was a year ago. So I think if, if a trade with something like that was going to happen – the Pistons would recognize that if that's the case, they would be basically buying high on Brandon Clark. And I think that if if a trade would materialize around Brandon Clark with any team, once again, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, if he's out of favor with Memphis or not as high not as high in Memphis as he once was, teams would be trying to buy low on him, not buy high. So I think that would be where the problem would run into with Jeremy Grant. Yeah, no, and it makes sense. And that's where you may shift your focus over to a DeAnthony Melton. And I'll get to the reason why I mentioned that in just a second. Um, first on Brandon Clark, I wouldn't from your perspective, I could certainly see where it seems as if Brandon Clark has fallen a bit out of favor. He was not in the rotation when the Grizzlies were playing on their biggest stage. It makes perfect sense why it would seem that way. And do I know if the Grizzlies really view Brandon Clark as being a true third or fourth piece to our future core right now, I don't know if I'd go that far. I still know they think of him highly. I still know that this season, unfortunately, 
He was one of those who was impacted by the uniqueness of this season, how many games we were playing and how many days and all that different stuff. He just never could get healthy, and that really impacted his ability to develop and get into a groove. So the thing is is that I think he he's going to be healthy in the offseason. I think there's a very good chance he gets back to what he was in his rookie season. But yes, in general, it, does he have the same theoretical trade value right now? that he did a year ago, I think it's fair to say he doesn't. And that gets to the point that, okay, now do we start talking about DeAnthony Melton? But the whole big picture thing that I want to get at is, is that Grizzlies fans want to try to get this, this improvement piece, this consolidation piece, if you will, naturally without having to give up any of our clear future core members. But from a perspective of a of a person in yourself who who covers a team in the Pistons with one of those you know logical trade assets, it's going to take Melton or Clark plus another significant asset to at least move the needle. That's the point that I'm trying to make. If the Grizzlies want to get that trade asset that clearly improves their roster moving forward this summer, it's likely going to take. Melton or Clark and multiple firsts to get it done. Because that's really the only thing that starts y'all listening, I think, on the Pistons end. So, actually, I, I wanted to ask you, ask you a question or give you a scenario with, with that as well. Because the Pistons fans, we've, we've had, believe it or not, even with them just being like ACC teams, we've, we've had those talks as well about wanting to go get that extra guy to help us win, whatever. So, the thing is, that I have two questions about this for the, for the Grizzlies. So the first question I would I would pose is that does Brand do you think Brand Clark could be still a main piece of a trade like that for someone like Jeremy Grant because he is about to turn 25 already. So that that would be my first question. And then my second question for you would be um I think do you think that the Grizzlies cuz from my perspective I think the Grizzlies best chance of getting one of those players would not be a guy like Jeremy Grant. I think your guys' best shot for me, at least, from an outside perspective, you can tell me what, if I'm wrong or not. But uh, from my perspective, it would be like an older guy who is um, who is unhappy where he's at, or like an older guy that has some kind of risk with them, either whether it be like a like a contract or possible injury concerns. Because my concern is with the Grizzlies trying to pull a trade off. So like like you've been mentioning, like Jeremy Grant, is that a team like Detroit values Jeremy Grant to a point where I don't know if they would really consider Brand Clark like a like a piece they would want in return to Jeremy Grant because they look at like I explained earlier they look at Jeremy Grant as possible like if we get this top two pick all of a sudden of our rebuild looks like three to five years now it's two years now now we're ready to build so unless they're getting something back that that either one aligns with their young core's age of like 18 19 20 years old or they get someone that is like close to equal value as Jeremy Grant in playing wise or as a talent-wise, it's at a different position. I'm not sure Detroit would be interested in it. I think that would be – unless you unless you find a team that is uh, – what, what's the – like kind of like Bradley Beal, even though he's a little bit – I don't think he's as old as I think he is. I think he's like 28 now or whatever. But my, 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 uh, my scenario for the Grizzlies of getting a player like that or trading for a, a real guy to help them take that next step, I believe would be – from an outside perspective, again, I know I don't want Grizzlies like fans to come at me and start killing me or anything. But from an outside perspective, it would have to be for someone that was like a little bit older, or either one has a contract issue, or two has possible injury concerns that could make his value tank a little bit and able allow you guys to swing 
like you said, Clark, Melton, and maybe a, a first or so for him. No, you're absolutely spot on. And for this, and for the uh, sake of time, I, I, you know, I'll keep this as short and possible as itself. But it's a cause and effect chain that just never ends, right? The Grizzlies are still trying to figure out. They're trying to gain more certainty on players they truly want to be a part of their future. Melton, Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think that they have to get more information on those players before they, like on the horizon, the Grizzlies know they're going to have to make a one big trade, one big type move. But you got to start by getting certainty on what you have. I don't think they have as much certainty as they'd like. So that kind of makes it, I guess, time's sake, not so logical to make that one big Bradley Beal type move this summer. But with how many quantity pieces we have on our roster and contracts coming up over the next two years to be discussed, it makes sense to consolidate. So you're looking at a Jeremy Grant or a Malcolm Brogdon or somebody like that, a clear upgrade, but someone that's not going to cost you to go all in with your assets. The But the problem is, is that for you to get that level of player, you're probably going to have to use a Melton or a Clark or maybe the Golden State pick that we have in the future because that's what's going to attract teams to move that level of players. Well, if you're already convinced that you're okay trading those guys, well, instead of going to get a Brogdon or a Grant, it makes sense to, if you're already ready to trade a Clark and a Melton, don't settle for those level of talents. Nothing against them, but they're not on the level of talent like a Beal or somebody along those lines. So it's it's a back-and-forth dilemma based off how deep you want to go. I don't think this is the year where the Grizzlies are wanting to go all in. I do think if the right situation made sense for a player on the level of a Brogdon, Harrison Barnes, or Jeremy Grant, they probably would at least discuss options. But at the end of the day, I do think that you do at least see Brandon Clark, Melton, and others on the table. The only two assets that we have that I don't think are on the table are Jaw and Jaron. But anybody else in the right situation, I think that the Grizzlies could use them in a trade. I just don't know if that is likely going to be this summer unless something makes sense. And as you point out, Koo, with Jeremy Grant, other teams, because this free agent class isn't that good and you don't have as many logical trade candidates, the Brogdons, the Grants, the Barnes, the teams that have those guys, they rightfully are going to want to be paid a premium. I don't know if the Grizzlies want to pay that extra premium either to get that talent. So at the end of the day, it seems like we've got something here that makes sense, but I don't necessarily know. You know, could a trade happen? Sure. I don't think it's very likely. So my my question, since you, I, I know you said something about time, but I would simply like to throw this out there to Grizzlies fans. Uh, something that I would see for you guys, like if you guys end up getting to that point and want to swing for the fences, obviously this one didn't work out, but I think it's the type of risk that I think smaller markets, I don't want to call Memphis a small market, but I'll call them a smaller market. Something like that has to take kind of like Detroit. It's like that deal the Pistons made for a player like Blake Griffin a few years ago. I think that my overall point is, is like the reason why Blake's supposed value at that point was lower because he had that contract and plus like some injury risk. You probably don't want to trade for a guy that has both in, both uh, possible negatives on him. But I, once again, like I said, I think the best case scenario, like you said, for if you want to give up those pieces, you don't want to have to give up like a premium or give up all your pieces just to get a guy. If you want to give up like the Clarks or a Melton or then maybe a pick or so or something, like try to keep the value as low as possible, is to go for a player who either has a, a large contract that are, that is viewed bad at the time, kind of like CP3 was viewed as bad at the time, and now it's like, oh, God, he might get paid more. Or a player 
who is dealing with injury and they're worried about whether he can come back healthy or not, or even like someone who's unhappy where they're at and wants to get out. So now a team's forced to have to try to take whatever they get for it. So I think those are the kind of scenarios why I see the Grizzlies pouncing on, not so much, like you said, um, a, a player like Grant Brogdon or, or Barnes or something like that. No, and, and, and you're exactly correct because at that point you're looking at assets. You know, you could get a good, you could get a significant talent, though his contract maybe a bit overpriced, you're not having to pay as many assets. The player that stands out this offseason that matches a lot of what you said is C.J. McCollum. And theoretically, from the from the uh, Trailblazers, he would hit on a lot of boxes for Memphis. He would be a good outside shooting talent. Yeah, him and John defensively wouldn't be that great, but perhaps the Grizzlies wouldn't have to trade that much to be able to take on his contract. I don't know if Memphis wants to take that big of a hit on their cap flexibility over the next few seasons. But that's the whole point that, you know, this, this, these talks are there this off season. When you make a trade, it, there's just not a lot of sensible trades out there as there is in other off seasons. It seems just as many pros as there is, there's plenty of cons. And that, in my opinion, place to the strength of the seller's market and that if there's not that many assets out there and there's not that many clear upgrades out there, guys like the or teams like the Pistons, the Kings, you know, the, the Pacers, the, they don't have to trade these guys, but if they do, it's going to be offers that they can't say no to. And I just don't know if teams are out there to make those type of offers, but I'll get your thoughts on that Koo, But I also want to ask as well, um, and then on my end, you know, this certainly is what I wanted to end on as far as you go, because I really want to get your thoughts. Detroit's got the second best odds. Who are you wanting and who? And, and, and another thing I'll ask you is this. Is there any scenario where if you land in the top three, y'all would trade back, not with Memphis, but just kind of to throw a curveball into things? Who do you want in that top five of the draft? And if you do get that top five pick, are you for sure sticky? Uh, I think the Pistons obviously would love if they got Cade and moved up to one. Uh, at two, I think they take Jalen Green, who I think all Pistons fans really love and they really want because he, he figures to fit right next to Killian Hayes, and he's at a position that is probably the Pistons' thinnest right now. Uh, so they probably would really like Jalen Green. I know there's a lot, there's a, like a small section of like incredible Evan Mobley stands, so they would probably want him as well, either one, two, or three. So hopefully the Pistons stay at three. If they get top three, there's no way they're trading out of it. Zero way possible. There's If they get this top three pick, they're getting one of those. Green, Mobley, or K. There's no way in hell I see them moving out. Uh, four or five? Um, I, I don't know because I think they would take Suggs if they got four. If if they got four and Suggs was there, I think they take them. However, if they get five or six, which six is the farthest they can fall, if they get five or six, I'm not sure they want to take Kaminga. I, I have no insight. This is not me getting like inside sources or anything, but just basically from like what I've read and what, what I've witnessed with the Pistons, they basically have a project right now in Seku or they who people are already saying that they're like not wanting to wait on. And Kaminga sounds like a project. So if they don't want to wait in Seku, I don't see why they'd want another project to wait on, especially when it seems like Troy Weaver isn't exactly looking at a three to five year rebuild. He's looking at more of a two to three year restoration. He calls it. So I don't think they'd want Kaminga. And there's also been reports that he's interested in, I, what's his name, James Booknight, I think it is. I don't know if that's his first name, but I know his last name is Booknight. So if they get like five, I could see them possibly trading back to where they think Booknight would be available and and letting a team move up for, for Kaminga. I'm not sure. I think as long as they get top three, there's no way they move out. 
four, I think they still don't move out five and six. I think that's when you start considering uh, moving out. It'll be a lot of fun, and I think that if, from the track record with what Dwayne Casey has done with DeMar DeRozan, obviously with the first year that Sadiq Bey had, Jeremy Grant as well, uh, what was there with Pascal Siakam in Toronto, you know, obviously there is some success with Dwayne Casey, especially developing these talents. If he were to land a Jalen Green or a Cade Cunningham, it would be a great landing spot, not only because of their development, but also Detroit would finally get that marquee talent that they could build around. Koo, this was a lot of fun, man. I'd love to do it again at some point, but I will say this. Good luck to you and the Pistons on uh, draft lottery night. You know, I can tell you from firsthand experience just how awesome and special and memorable it was to land Jaw. Uh, you know, when we got the news back, uh, you know, two years ago, I'm sure it's going to be a special night, hopefully for good reasons for you. Best of luck to you and the Pistons fan base on lottery night. Thanks, man. I, I tweeted out a funny picture of that iCarly scene when or when Miranda Cosgrove was looking at a picture when she was a kid, and now she's looking at it again when she's older. And I was like, I was like me in 2011 watching the Pistons in the lottery versus me nowadays looking at them in the lottery still. Because it's been it's been basically a decade full of me waiting to see them move up. So hopefully this year they finally move up or keep their pick at least. It's going to be a fun offseason. Like we say, a Jeremy Grant trade may not happen between the Grizzlies and the Pistons, but the one fun thing about following each organization and fan bases that are really passionate about them, that's what stands out about Memphis and Detroit, really passionate fan bases support both the Grizzlies and Detroit. Detroit looking to land their franchise player this season. Memphis looking to add to supporting their franchise player. They may be on different tracks of a rebuild, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Fun to see. Coo, one last time, where can folks find your great work? And once again, it was a pleasure as we sign off here. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Kukahill MBA. You can find me on YouTube at Coo's Ballroom. And you also find me over at Detroit Bad Boys for SB Nation, writing articles about the Pistons. Thank you for having me, Sean. I hope all the Pistons fans also enjoyed hearing Sean. And from a Memphis perspective, this was a lot of fun. Definitely, I'm up for doing it anytime in the future. Just let me know. And I'll tell you this, like I say, I've not known uh, Koo that long. He is absolutely wonderful with his perspectives. Also very entertaining. Anytime I get the chance to talk with him and several of the others, Pistons uh, folks that cover the team, but especially Koo, it's always a blast. For Pistons fans, you can find me at Staffs SAC. You can find my written work over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Obviously, myself at Locked on Grizzlies. I don't have a YouTube channel as of yet, but that may be something in the works in time. But for Koo Cahill... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I don't. I think I'll pull it off. Uh, for Kuka Hill, my name is Sean Coleman. This has been a crossover edition of the Locked On Grizzlies, Locked On Pistons podcast. Enjoy your offseason, folks. Hope it's very successful, and we'll talk to you again next time on Locked On Grizzlies and Locked On Pistons.